Welcome to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. I'm Carl Wiggers, the producer, host, and all-around go-to guy when we produce a podcast. Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast is where we talk about all things related to Louisiana Farm Bureau, agriculture, or rural living as a whole. Joining me today is Louisiana Farm Bureau Communications Director Avery Davidson. And Avery, you recently had a conversation with someone who kind of opened your mind up to your understanding of the word rural. Yeah, Carl, I did. The state director for the USDA Office of Rural Development, Deidre Deculus Robert, came by my office. And and I have to say, you know, whenever you meet someone and you really just kind of click with Mm -hmm. them, it's kind of like hanging out with a longtime friend. Well, that's that's how it was when I spoke with Deidre. We're both Gen Xers from the Acadiana area. She has a lot of energy and drive, and she's a really sharp woman. A lot of folks don't know what the Office of Rural Development does, and I can tell you that after speaking with Deidre Robert, I learned that there are more areas of Louisiana now considered rural, and there is more grant money available now to help your farm, ranch, or business than in years past. Well, that sounds like there's a lot to uh, a lot for us to learn, too, as we listen to this. Let's get right into it. Here's Avery's conversation with Louisiana State Director for the USDA's Office of Rural Development, Deidre Robert. It is my pleasure to have on the show a good Mamu native, Deidre Robert, who is also the State Director for USDA's Rural Development. Deidre, thank you for joining us on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Avery, thank you for having me, my uh, my, fellow, my, fe- my fellow Acadianian. That's right, you know. <laughs> Uh, a berry boy like myself has to be proud when we have someone from Acadiana on. But, you know, before we get into what we're really here to talk about, which is giving away money. Yes. Yeah. Money that's available for yes. folks in rural rural areas. Um, let's talk a little bit about you. And how did you get the call from the Biden administration to to get this role? Well, you know, Avery, it's it's funny how things happen in life. Um, I grew up in Mamou, Louisiana. Left home, went to college, youngest of five children. My dad was a farmer. My mother worked for USDA. She worked for Farm Services Agency and retired with 30 years of service and never really thought about going back home, um, certainly not to farm or be an ag producer, but took the route of law and was very fortunate to work in a number of different really great positions that I think put me in the right place at the right time to receive the call from the administration with regard to this position and how could I not say yes? Um, rural development is is near and dear to my heart. I grew up in a very rural community. I live in a rural community. I see the effects of years of neglect in those communities and an opportunity to close those gaps and help um, people from home and people across Louisiana was just really just a blessing. And that pedigree there of having your father as a farmer, what what did he grow and, and what, what, where where was that around Mamu? So my dad and his brothers um, started the Deculus Brothers Farm back in the 80s. Um, it was he and three of his other brothers, and they farmed rice, milo, soybean, and eventually got into crawfishing, um, like so many in that area. And so they were in Evangeline Parish, um, certainly. So Evangeline Parish, St. Landry Parish, they were the largest black farmers in that area for a number of years. Wow. Wow. And then that had to give you some preparation for where you are now and some appreciation for what you what you do now. Absolutely. You know, watching them um, navigate the system of USDA, watching them and watching the cycle of being an ag producer, what goes into that, the loans, the farm assistance that was available to them. And certainly with my mom working in the agency, um, just hearing those conversations certainly educated me a lot about the space and how it all kind of comes together. 
performers and rural businesses and people who just choose to live in those communities and raise their families there and what goes into that. And I certainly have an appreciation for it. There was a time I probably didn't, um, not really wanting to be from a small town, but I'm so glad that, you know, my parents chose to raise us there and that I come from that background. It's amazing how you appreciate things more as you get older. You don't realize it back, you know, when you're, yes. you're the, the little teenager who's just wanting to, to go out and see the world. Right. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a little more recent. Right before you came into this position, you were at DOTD. Obviously, that position having to deal with infrastructure, having to deal with roads and highways, bridges being posted, all the things that affect agricultural commodities being moved. How does that play into what your plans are with rural development? Absolutely. So as executive counsel for DOTD, I certainly got a broad um, overview of everything that went into the agency, entire infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, um, permitting, what that looks like, the impact on producers and moving commodities and goods. Certainly at DOTD, we're multimodal. So we dealt with the ports, we dealt with the trains, the airports. And so that appreciation really has helped me in this position to be able to identify resources for rural communities that they may not know about and be able to connect those dots a lot of times. Certainly, we have a decaying um, water and sewer system, which certainly Governor Edwards has seen fits in the legislature to invest money there, as well as the administration. So recognizing what gaps we have with my background and training has helped me to really bring more information to rural communities that they may not have otherwise known. Um, right now, I'm doing a state tour with Senator Cassidy and the Louisiana Housing Corporation. It's a funding summit. And what we've done is we've brought all of the resources to the rural communities. So federal agencies that have funding available, state agencies that have funding available, associations that can support water and sewer um, infrastructure in these communities, all in the same room in rural communities so that the leadership and the stakeholders can come and learn. It's really, it's one thing, Avery, to tell people because of the bipartisan infrastructure law, we have $100 million coming to Louisiana for five years. But it's another thing to be able to connect people to the money and show them how to work the process and how to apply and how to access those dollars. I want to, before we move into talking about being able to access some of those dollars, I, I think people also need to realize that a lot of places that weren't considered rural communities are now because of a definition change. I know that I didn't really think of New Iberia when I was growing up there and had 36,000 people there. I don't think the population is that anymore, but that would now be classified as a rural community, correct? That's correct. So the way my programs work, and certainly the census has had an impact on our community designations, but our programs at Rural Development work by population. And so I administer over 40 different programs through rural development, um, and they're all population driven. Half of those programs are business and industry programs. And in order to qualify as a rural business, you have to be in a population of less than 50,000 people. That's tremendous when you think about it across this state. You have communities, like you said, New Iberia, that you kind of felt and thought was more of a city, but it's really considered a rural community. Um, the same thing with Alexandria, Louisiana, and some of those types of hubs, right? So for business programs, the population is under 50,000. For single family housing, which is our affordable housing program, under 35,000. For our community facilities programs, which really is a tremendous help to rural communities for their build out of their town needs, um, under 20,000. And for our water and environmental programs, under 10,000. And really, Avery, it's um, 
it's eye opening to realize how many of our communities really fall into those positions. You know, Louisiana is over 66 percent rural. I think we forget that sometimes. Right. And I think people don't realize that when they look at the state and they look at New Orleans and they look at Baton Rouge and they look at Shreveport and Monroe. um, But the rest of us all in there, you know, it's all rural. And so much of that population along the I-10 corridor, I remember hearing a stat one time that it's about 80% of the state's population is along the I-10 corridor or south. That tells you right there that it's weighted heavily this way. And folks who live down here might not realize just how rural it is once you get up around Opelousas, mm-hmm. once you get up around Minden, when you get up to Benton, Louisiana, yes. all these places where... You can throw a stone and not not nobody hear it for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in accepting this position, one of the first charges that I put upon myself and my team, certainly coming out of COVID, was outreach to get back out to the communities, to reengage, to remind um, our people what rural development is, what we have available and how we can help. And it's been refreshing. It's been eye opening to really cross the state. And I have from from Boja to Bogalusa, <laughs> from, from Monroe to, to Melville. Um, I have been everywhere. And so has my, my staff, which is just, they're tremendous. They do such a, a great job. But it's, again, bringing the information to the people and meeting them where they are. Um, certainly with the storms, we've seen some migration to the north from the southern uh, portion of Louisiana. And we may see more of that as, as time goes on. And a lot of the rural areas have a lot of underserved population, a lot of population that has traditionally been in poverty. I mean, I look at places like Lake Providence, Louisiana, that has the greatest disparity in wealth in the world. That's something that your office has to help address. How important is that to you getting to these traditionally underserved populations? Um, It's extremely important. So last year, like I said, with our outreach efforts, we committed to getting on the road and getting to these communities. I've I've been fortunate to spend some time in Lake Providence. It's absolutely beautiful, but you're correct. It is impoverished. It is one where the socially disadvantaged um, economic system is is there and it's embedded there. And so we've been working with them. It's crucial. Um, My first time out, we did 22 stops on our statewide tour just to make sure that we were getting as close to every community as we possibly could. Um, and so it is incumbent upon us to, to get out, to make sure that people understand what's available, how it's available, because that's another piece of it. I mean, everywhere I go, it's, you know, I chuckle about it, but it's true. At all of my different stops and tours and presentations, inevitably someone in the audience says, but Ms. Deidre, where's the free money? Like, <laughs> how do we get to the free money? And certainly we do have some great grant opportunities. The REAP um, program that we're going to talk about, the Rural Energy for America, has an incredible grant component there. But there are other grants out there that are available for socially disadvantaged businesses, nonprofits. We work with tribals. We work with um, communities who can we can do a grant and loan mix to be able to help them to close the gaps, to have funding, to do the things that they need to do, like put in roads, water, sewer, build a fire station, buy a police car, buy up-to-date fire equipment or police equipment. It can be as as small as, you know, just something that they need, a piece of equipment to go out and do their job um, to as large as a, a, a city hall or a police station. And so 
it's very important that we make sure that they're aware, which is why I'm so thankful that you're giving me the time and the opportunity oh, to, to do this. It's my pleasure. It's been, oh, I mean, even before the interview started, we, we've been cutting up and laughing. I, 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 it's such a pleasure meeting you. But I also want to bring up that USDA seems to love, absolutely love a good abbreviation or acronym. <laughs> I mean, you've got everything from CRP, uh, you've got REAP, which yes. you just brought up. Let's talk a little bit about REAP. You, that's Rural Energy, and this is where I'm losing it. So I, I can tell you, you know, all about Conservation Reserve Program and all the stuff that's on the FSA side. I'm right. not as familiar with the rural development. So what is REAP and what makes this year different? So REAP is Rural Energy for America, and we've had the program for some time. But the Inflation Reduction Act um, advanced by the administration put in some significant funding, over a billion dollars in funding for rural, rural Energy for America program. In Louisiana, traditionally, we would receive a million dollars in order to administer it. And it's a grant program. It's, it's, it's an opportunity for rural businesses and agricultural producers to make their operations more energy efficient. It's also an opportunity for any rural business or energy producer who not only is trying to put in efficiencies, like switching to LED lighting, putting insulation in their businesses, making sure that their thermostats are working smarter, upgrading equipment that's going to save them money in the long run, but also on the biofuels and solar side, there's an opportunity there as well for, po for folks to access those dollars. And traditionally, again, um, before the Inflation Reduction Act, the grant percentage um, was at about 25%. And so now it's been elevated to 50%. And so if you're doing upgrades, you get an energy audit, your business needs this, this, and this in order to be more efficient to save you money on the long run, it's going to cost you $10,000. With our program, up to half of that could be covered in grant funds. And so it minimizes the cost to the business where in the long term, you'll save dollars on the back end. And so it's just incredibly... Um, important that we make sure that everyone is aware of it because those little things add up in the end. I had the opportunity to visit with a rural business over in Covington, Louisiana. Again, a community that you don't maybe think of as rural, but it is considered rural. Over in Covington, visiting with a storage facility owner, and she owns several storage units throughout the state of Louisiana, and she made the, the switch to solar and used our Rural Energy for America program. And what she did is solar installs on the top of her storage facilities. One of her bills went from $14,000 a month to $1,200 a month. And that's an incredible savings for a small business um, trying to be successful here in Louisiana. I mean, by getting the grant, you're already cutting in half the time in which it takes for you to pay off that investment to pay for itself. Absolutely. And then to have that kind of a savings that's absolutely incredible. And you'd mentioned normally we get one million. Now we have five, five million. million. I've been funded this year for five million here in the state of Louisiana. And so we're really, again, um, we have a statewide energy coordinator who works within my office and he's uh, been hitting the ground running really heavily to make sure that everyone's aware of it. We've been trying to get in front of chambers, um, local chambers of commerce. We've been talking to business owners. Just yesterday, I was down in Patterson, Louisiana, mm. um, visiting with a, a successful business owner there, but somebody who's also looking to do more in the space of working with the community. And so in talking with him about those opportunities, we were also able to really talk about REAP and how that can impact his other businesses that he has. And so I think we, I think we got him yesterday. Yeah. Um, he was really interested and engaged, and, and that's what we need more of, right? 
Um, and he did tell us, as a matter of fact, he said when he started his first business over 20 years ago, he used a, a USDA rural development loan um, in order to refinance his initial loan to buy the equipment for his business and quite successful business that he eventually sold for several million dollars. And so the programs work. And we really just want to make sure that everyone knows what they are mm-hmm. and that they can access them through through us or they can do it on the website. And we're just we're a conduit to help them get to the dollars. And I'm trying to think of, you know, if I were a farmer listening to this, especially a rice farmer, I know a lot of rice farmers have diesel pumps for their their fields to, to flood mm-hmm. their fields. Would this help pay for the transition to electric pumps, which are more efficient? It absolutely would. That's one of the beauties of, of this particular program is that it's for rural businesses, but it's also for agricultural producers who can do in things within their operation, like purchase equipment that's going to save them dollars that's more efficient um, to do those types of solar installs that will reduce some of their overhead. Just the efficiencies of changing out your lighting system. You can see actual dollars um, down the road from those types of moves. So, Deidre, that has me begging the question. How does one apply for REAP? What do I have to do? Where do I go? Is it as simple as going to the, the local FSA office or do I need to go online? Where do we go next? So rural development, we have five offices in the state of Louisiana. Certainly, I will start with our website, rd.usda.gov, G-O-V. Um, if you go there, cert- one of the first things that you're going to see is the REAP program, um, only because it's just it's an incredible opportunity Um, from the administration through the Inflation Reduction Act. So that's one of the first things you'll see on our website. To localize it, you would just go to the Louisiana website and that'll tell you where we are. And so where are we? We have an office in Amy, Louisiana. We have an office in Lafayette, Louisiana. We have an office in Natchitoches and we have an office in Monroe. Our state office is in Alexandria, Louisiana. Okay, well, wonderful. That's great information. I'm so glad that you came over here to visit with us, Deidre. This has been great. Thank you, Avery. I really appreciate it. And there's more, right? So we have two more stops left on our state tour. We'll be in Bogalusa on May 22nd, and we'll be in Lake Charles on May 24th. And I would encourage anyone who wants any information with regard to the different grant opportunities, our low-interest loan opportunities that exist, please come out and get some information. And like I said, it's not just, it's us. It's Senator Cassidy, um, who, as we know, worked really hard on the bipartisan infrastructure law and that there's significant funding there for us here in Louisiana. Um, There's also the Department of Energy, the Office of Community Development, um, just tons of partners at the table really trying to help everyone here in Louisiana. Well, when you get everyone together, it it definitely makes it a lot easier and it helps answer all those questions folks have. Yes, absolutely. Again, Deidre Roberts, she is the state director for USDA's Rural Development. Thank you for coming on the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast. Thank you, Avery. Thank you for having me. Avery, you weren't kidding about her being sharp. Her background, growing up on a farm, becoming a lawyer, working at Southern DOTD, it's all very, very impressive. Yeah, and who knew that any community with a population under 50,000 is now considered rural? I mean, that that really blew my mind. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Well, if you like this podcast, please share it and subscribe to the Louisiana Farm Bureau podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced and edited by yours truly, Carl Wiggers, for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the state's largest general farm organization. If you want to learn more about Louisiana Farm Bureau, become a member today at lafarmbureau.org. On behalf of Avery Davidson, I'm Carl Wiggers. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.
you going to see them? Are you going to see them? Because this is audio only. Are you going to see them? I'm not going to see you, but I hope you hear us next time. <laughs>